Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled High Speed and Meat Options for Wahoo. I'm going to be talking with Captain Ben Morris of Southern Run Fishing Charters out of the Wrightsville Beach area. We're going to be covering such areas as how to locate Wahoo and then terminal tackle for meat options, terminal tackle and techniques for meat options, terminal tackle and techniques for high speed and and we're going to move forward with that. I, my name is Gary Hurley with Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And here in our latest and greatest effort, the podcast series where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their thoughts, their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. In this endeavor, I am joined by my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hello, Billy. Let's talk some Wahoo. What's up, Gary? I'm excited, man. I'm excited to jump in and learn all about Wahoo fishing. It's going to be good. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be good, man. I'm excited. I'm Even pre-show conversation, just talking about some boats was uh, getting me going. So, not that I can afford the boats that you Check need to... Check the bank account. Check the get, bank account yeah, right? while I'm talking to Ben. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'll check it. Come I'll up check with it. a number at the conclusion of the show. <laughs> yeah, somebody could just let me borrow some of the zeros to add to the end. That'd be great. I'm good for it. I'll pay you back. I promise. <laughs> These sponsors take care of us so well. I will buy it. I'll take care of it. Anyway. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm excited. Gary, good to see you again, man. And uh do want to shout out to our sponsors, so I'll kind of get through this. Um our sponsors so our first one up is srd20 you can see them on the screen so srd20.com uh, so they have sent us a couple of different products and then gary i just got notification they're sending us another product uh on the way so we'll be able to show it pretty soon but we are featuring the waterless wash and wax and then also the graphene uh coating and protectant spray for your ceramic uh on on your boat there so i know he sent us over a couple and Neither one of us has got a chance to try it yet, but I've got good reviews and on Amazon and on, on their website as well. So excited. Yeah, I'm close. I'm close to using that graphene spray. Again, my vision is more to use it in the spring just to sort of set up for the year ahead. You know, we're still using the boat. The boat's still in the water right now. And uh, I'm still doing my cheap bleach wash. Well, I mean, just normal wash once in a while of bleach wash. But it is my, it is on my list to start being more nice to my boat in 2023. And a big part of that is going to be graphene spray and replacing the waxing, which I just won't do. It's just too much work for me, too much time for me. I need a simpler solution and that's SRD 20 graphene spray. Boom. So if it should, it shouldn't be hard work. That's their tagline. So there you go. I don't know what else you could say more about the product. Shouldn't be hard work. So go ahead and go to srd20.com and get you some of that. And then also, Gary, we have our our long-running sponsor, Marine Warehouse. I'm going to play a little spot from them, and then we'll come back and figure out where in the world is Emmett. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything from trailer, trailer parts, engines, engine parts, new boats, boat parts, a full store. We have a service department. We are your one-stop shop for marine equipment and hardware. We offer a wide variety of parts and accessories for all your marine needs. The best part about working at Marine Warehouse Center is to help customers really get the most out of their coastal lifestyle and share our love for the water. At Marine Warehouse, we're here to get you out on the water because of our love for the water. We like being out there and we want you out there with us. Boom, there you go, man. 
There you go. Good time to get your boat. In in I, they're doing service sales. Ah, you know what? Buy yourself a new boat for the holidays. <laughs> there we go. We got a lot of holidays coming up. Just buy yourself a new boat. Well, I'll tell you what comes to my mind in watching that commercial because I've had several conversations over the last week or so. Man, get your trailer tuned up. Don't wait and for a weather event when you have to pull your boat out of the water for you know voluntary, involuntary. And then having trailer issues, go ahead and get your trailer tuned up before the hurricane season or before you pull it for the winter. Like, get that trailer tuned up, man. I, so yeah. many of my friends had not major issues, not like boat on the side of the road or anything, but, you know, wheels, flat tires, just anyway, several issues. Like, why not put it in? I mean, that's what I do. I mean, to, to say what I do in the summer, before the hurricane season, I have them take a look at the trailer and just say, am I cool? And yeah. this year we did a little bit of work to the trailer. The year before, I was cool. Next year, I don't know yet. <laughs> Next year, I'm going to buy a new trailer. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, I tell you what, Emmett has been... All right, Gary, and Emmett has been on the move once again. He is a pretty festive dude, so that's your first hint in trying to figure out where in the world is Emmett. He is at a festive event, so that's the first place, or the first hint. Any guesses in this season that we're in, what kind of event that he would be participating in? He's at a turkey farm. A turkey farm. That's a pretty good guess, but no, not He's a turkey farm. He's at a trick-or-treat. He's trick-or-treating. No, I mean, maybe. A pumpkin patch. Maybe after this. Maybe after he's at the Halloween party with his friends. <laughs> he's there hanging out with Medusa. He's dressed up like Dracula, looking fresh. Look at him. Still wearing that doesn't look like his wife. Wait a second. Yeah, it's a friend. It's a friend or a of the daughter. family. That doesn't look like a wife or a daughter. <laughs> I don't... Well, you know, I'm just get off that picture before we make any more accusations and lose a sponsor here. <laughs> that was anyway. He's dressing up like Dracula for Halloween, getting those Halloween parties in earlier than later. So, if you guys see him out, make sure, especially if you see him at a Halloween party, no one has snapped a picture and sent it to us. So, I'm really curious. Right. I thought people would, man. I thought they would stalk him. I didn't. I didn't think people would. You didn't? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Moving on. What's next? Here we go. <laughs> so if you want to sponsor Fish the photo. show. Oh, yeah. Or, and, and I'll be sure to let you guys know if you want to sponsor the show, you want us to make fun of you, we'll do that for, for a good rate. So give us a call, mm -hmm. and we'll do that. So here we go, fish photo. we got Melissa Smith from Fayetteville with a Wahoo caught on a GT Whistler rigged with Ballyhoo. She was fishing inside of the big rock. So good-looking fish there. And, um, yeah, man, good-looking fish. I, I don't know about fishing with no shoes on, like, that seems like a little safety hazard to me, but <laughs> there's a lot of sharp edges on Whatever. Oahu. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't know. It's questionable. I don't know if you lose a toe by doing the Wahoo. Uh, anyway, maybe ask that Gary. I'll give you questions. <laughs> All right. Anybody ever lost a toe on your boat from wearing? Football? I'll remember that. I'm I'm writing yeah. that down for when it's, I talk to Ben. That's a great really one. Really important. It's maybe you should do the interview. That sounds <laughs> sounds like you're a natural. Yeah, 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 dude. I'm I'm good at this what i do um all right man awesome so we got through some sponsors and then i'm going to pitch it over to you to talk about our weekly fishing reports i know it's a, a little bit different season right now but i'm gonna pass it over to you and let you tell our audience about that well yeah this this episode is airing in late october um we do our weekly fishing reports from april through october 
And then with the season winding down, we're gonna pull back to bi-weekly reports November through March, but we are going to do membership exclusive live events. So we have some live events scheduled during that time that it just doesn't make sense to do weekly reports. I mean, how many times can we tell you to work the bait slow through the water column for trout, you know, and or red drum. So live fishing, live features that you can only access if you're part of our weekly fishing report membership, whether you're an annual member or a monthly member, you go to fishermanspost.com, you go to member content, you can read all about what we're offering weekly reports. Um, we're dropping that live show stuff now on these podcasts just to lean up. But uh, we talked to a bunch of captains up and down the coast. It's a great thing. Again, more information, fishermanspost.com, member content. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's been good, man. It's been a lot of fun uh, doing that. So looking forward to looking forward to those live events, man. We, we're going to have fun. we got going to plan it out, and it'll be a good time for sure. Might get a little wild, so you might go ahead and get that VIP ticket. <laughs> I might say something I regret. <laughs> Maybe so. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, bull crap. I call bull crap, Gary. I don't think you will. No bull. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, I'm going to talk with Ben about Wahoo, and then I'm coming back to you for Billy's Best Takeaway. Again, that's Billy's Best Takeaway. But right now, it's my pleasure to introduce first-time guest on the podcast. He's helped us out with the fishing schools, but his first-time guest on the podcast, and I'm talking about Captain Ben Morris, Southern Run Fishing Charters out of the Wrightsville Beach area. Ben, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. Glad to be here, Gary. Good to see you. Yeah, man. We appreciate you. We're looking forward to talking about high speed and meat options for Wahoo. But as the tradition goes on the Fisherman's Post podcast, you have two questions to get through before we get to the main event. You tell me you're ready. I give you question number one. Ready to go. Question number one, Captain Ben Morris, why should us, should any of us listen to anything you have to say about Wahoo? Well, I've been charter fishing for about 10 years now. Um, a little bit of that was with the Ocean Isle Fishing Center, most of it. Uh, I spent a couple years down in the Florida Keys doing it, worked for Whipsaw Charters up here, and now I run my own charter business. So I've kind of seen a bunch of different ways to do it. We've had some really good days out there, and you know, we've caught, I based my business around it. So we've caught quite a few of them. Right on. That is easily an acceptable answer to question number two. I mean, question number one. I'm already looking ahead to question number two. Again, as tradition goes, is a non-fishing related question. You ready? I'm ready. All right, we're gonna be talking about meat options for Wahoo. Your question has to do with meat options. I need you to name two meat options for us, for humans, other than pork, beef, chicken, and seafood. You got two other meat options other than pork, beef, chicken, or seafood duck uh, right on oh, no, no. Mm. yeah you do it's like a duck i don't know you lost me there gary what's yours i was gonna say a goose you could say a turkey you could say venison you could say pheasant you could say lamb you could say rabbit but i'm you're yeah, on the camera you know the pressure's on i know you'll do much better with the wahoo report Man, and you were smart. I'll give you a plug. I'm going to go ahead and give you a compliment. Man, I love that your talking point was to begin with how to find Wahoo because hands down, I think that's whatever fish we're talking about, that's the main question. How do I find it? How do I find it? So I love that that's how you want to kick off your podcast. 
So I'm in. Tell me about finding a Wahoo. And I guess we're talking about here in the fall time, or, or I don't want to limit you. Man, you answer the question any way you wish. Yes, sir. So, yeah, before you know, we get into the tackle, it doesn't matter if you have the best stuff ever. If you're in an area where they're not there, you're not going to get a bite. Um, so how I find a spot or figure out which direction I'm going to go, we'll start with the fall, winter time, because that's generally the best time to go. Um, is I want to look mainly for water temperature. I like low to mid 70s is good. Um, and, and the water clarity too, if, it, if it's clear, that's kind of where you want to be. And you can, you can look at that before you leave your house, you know, through Rolfs or um, Hilton has a good app, Rip Charts, any of that stuff you can look at and uh, kind of determine where you want to go. And you want a combination of those, you know, the right water temperature the right water clarity to be over some sort of bottom, especially in the winter time, those fish are going to hang on a ledge. Um, mainly in, you know, I'll start in 150, 160 feet and try to stay in that area. Sometimes I'll get off to 200, 250, but that's about as deep as I like to go. Uh, but they're definitely on bottom. That is, that is important. It's pretty much a big king mackerel, a bigger, better tasting king mackerel. Um, go ahead. We're going to ask them. Well, yeah, man, I guess. So when you're saying, I just like to clarify sometimes because I feel like I'm still trying to get it straight in my head. So when you say yeah. over top of a ledge or over top of bottom, I mean, are, out that far, are we talking about relief? Are we talking about depth change? Is is that the primary area you target or is there something else you're looking for out in 150 to 160 on out to 200 or so? So primarily you want a ledge, especially off of Wrightsville Beach. We have a really good bottom out here and it's a ledge that runs you know miles up the coast and pretty much down to the shoals and you kind of i like to stay right on that um you know some guys up north out of moorhead they don't really have that same bottom they're fishing rolling bottom kind of it's just a big depth change it's not really sharp like it is here it'll drop off 10 feet here in, you know the matter of 200 yards or so and that's where i like to stay um, now in the summertime is completely different. The, your summertime fish are generally out deeper and they're not really over a hard edge as much, but they're generally in like 250 to 300 feet. Um, and, and that, when I'm fishing for those, I don't really fish for them much in the summer, but you can. And when you're doing that, you kind of want to find some kind of bait or, a, you know, something that they're feeding on that time of year, whether it be bonitas, blackfin, you know, flying fish, stuff like that. All right, so you say the fall is probably the best time for it, and I think you said, forgive me if I didn't get this right, 70 to mid-70 degree water temperature. So, mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So when do you start getting the most confidence that you can put, say, multiple fish in the boat when the fall season rolls around? Like, I mean, I know that every year the water temperature develops differently, but as a general mm -hmm. rule, you get start getting excited when? Well, it's more when the surrounding water gets real cold, like all of the water inshore is 50, 60 degrees once it gets really cold and that water in the Gulf Stream is 74, 75, because those fish are gonna be condensed in the Gulf Stream as compared to the summer when all the water is warm and the fish are spread out. Um, that That's generally when I start getting excited, usually around November, December, um, and, and within three or four days of the full moon, if all that lines up, that you usually you're gonna do pretty good. I don't like fishing on a full moon, but within three to four days is usually pretty good. And we're talking about on the front side of the full moon, not on the back side. 
Yeah, I like the front side. You can. I've done good on the back side too, but I like front side a lot better. So, I'm. You know, I don't know if you have a conclusive answer or if I'm asking you for a theory, but what would be the theory or the answer as to why the wahoo fishing is better on the front end of a full moon? Um, to be honest with you, Gary, I really don't know that one. But I just think that just seems to be when I've caught more, um, and I think they're feeding. I think they're feeding in the daytime a lot better. Once you get to the full to the full moon, I think they're eating more at night. Um, okay. I mean, I don't know. Either, you know, I, it's not like I have an answer in mind, and I'm wondering. Um, I was just again thinking the moon seems to be this mysterious thing. So anytime the moon comes up, I like to ask a follow up question. Um, so if it starts like say November, December, yeah. how long does that good late fall winter wahoo bite last typically in general terms all the way through um all the way through february you know we've caught them really good right until i'd say march is when it starts slowing down but you can catch them all the way through now um my, my favorite month overall months overall to catch them there in november december right when it starts to get cold kind of the change in the seasons all right so then i guess my question is Man, and I understand about looking at, you know, at charts, at ROFs, at the, you know, there's several, and I know that they can give you all kinds of data, not just water temps, but, you know, as you're talking about water clarity, other variables. I'm, I'm not an offshore fisherman, as in people hop on my boat and I go and I make any decisions, but I'm just thinking if I was that guy, I would love a little bit more insight into how to read those ROFs or what exactly to look for, because I'm guessing there's quite a bit of 70, 75 degree water. And if that ledge is just for miles, like what was, what would get you off of that ledge? What would get you off of that ledge or what would get you to one part of the ledge versus another part, at least as a starting point. I mean, any insights yeah. to help someone navigate a vast expanse of, and trying to pick out where they at least might want to start their day. Yeah, so if if it's all say 70, 73, 74 degrees, if you can find a spot where there's a change, like a two or three degree change on top of that ledge, um, I would definitely start there. But it, if the whole thing looks the same, you know, once you get out there, that's where you know trolling around. The good thing about trolling is you're covering ground. Um, so if you do get out there, you know, go up and down the ledge or go around that area until you see a bunch of bait or you know the water looks good or you see a rip or something something different like that or until you get a bite you know if you get a bite stay in that area and found it um make make a few circles on it that's that's the best advice i would give because a lot of times when you look at that stuff and get out there it can be completely different than what they showed so you have to find it um but generally if it's got like i said if it's got the right water temperature and the right water clarity that's where i'm gonna start either way <clears throat> All right. And then I think I just have one more question and that would be, you talked about the fish push out further in the summertime that they're not right on that same area. And I loved your explanation yeah. about winter fishing and about the water being condensed and that sort of congregates them. And that's perhaps why you like that November, December. So mm -hmm. what, is it just that there's much more right degree water in the summer and that's why they might push off deeper and not hang out over the same structure they hang out in, in the late fall winter? Yeah, I to be honest with you, I don't, it, they're smaller fish in the summer generally, um, right off of here at least. 
the bigger fish are not, they're either inshore or they're migrating. Um, but generally they're smaller fish. I don't know exactly why they stay deeper, but that's, and, and you don't, you can't really go out and target them in the summer. I'm just saying if you were to try to, usually you'll get them deep if you get them at all. It's just a hard fish to target in the summertime. It's more of a wintertime fish for us. Okay. So I like that you wanted to talk about both meat options and high speed. So let, and I like that we're going to categorize it. We're going to talk about meat options first. So we'll have that conversation and then we'll go over to high speed. But I guess before I go, before I cut you loose on meat options, a question came uh -huh. to mind. Are you prepared to do either tactic every time you go out wahoo fishing? Or are you kind of make up your mind before you go, which technique you're going to lean on? I'm nine times out of 10, I'm just going to meet fish generally just because I'm charter fishing and gas is $6 a gallon. So the high speed fishing, you burn a lot more. Um, if I had an unlimited amount of money to spend, I would probably, if I, if I look at my charts and I go out there and everything looks right, I'm still going to meet fish. Um, if I don't like what I see and it looks bad for, you know, miles, then that's when I'm going to put my high speed stuff out and cover more ground. And that's generally why I do that. Um, high speed is a great way you can cover, you know, 10 miles in less than an hour. So that's, that's generally, generally why I do that is to find fish. And if I get a couple bites in the same area, I'll generally stop the high speed and put meat out. Now, a lot of people just high speed and that's, it's very effective. I've, I've never had double digit fish days on high speed and uh, I have on meat multiple time so that's why i do that all right well let's lead off with meat man what do we need to know about terminal we'll go terminal tackle like what what you have on the boat and then we'll talk about how you employ that stuff and on the boat yeah so generally in the you know i'm i'm fishing three or four feet of number nine wire i think it's 105 pound wire um i like three quarter ounce egg sinkers on all my stuff and a long shot of 80 to 100 pound floor. I put, I probably put more than most people do. I'll put like 20 yards on there. Um, and that's on top of the wire. And um, generally using red and black, purple and black, pink's really good. Um, and those, those kinds of colors for the meat. And uh, generally I'm trolling around six to seven knots. I like to troll a little faster sometimes for the Wahoo, you know, seven and a half if it's, if it's nice out. I feel like that gets them fired up a little better, but um, nothing crazy about my spread. I'm running a shotgun or a way back line, two long riggers, two shorts, a flat line, and a planer. And generally, that's the number four planer. All right, so that's the standard setup. And is do you have any naked bait out, or is it all skirted? Does it all have some color on it? No, mine's all skirted. You can run naked. Um, I did, if I'm fishing for tuna, there's always a naked bait out there, but this is Wahoo's in Norsa. No, generally all of it's all of it's skirted. I like the Islanders. You can't go wrong with any of those. Um, sea witches on your long lines. But generally Islanders. I like a blue and purple on my on my planer rod. That's a good one. Especially if they're in there eating the bonita. Uh, they tend to like that one a good bit. And is there a size ballyhoo that you prefer when we're meat fishing? Yeah, I like large mediums in the winter. Um, generally because those fish are eating, like I said, eating bonita and blackfin and stuff like that. In the summertime, if you're going to try it, I like to use smalls, uh, generally because the fish are smaller. But 
I, I would say my go-to is large mediums always. And then that number four planer, how how deep would you say that's trolling? I, I don't know my numbers and my water depth. Um, You know, the farther you let it back, the deeper it goes. But I'm generally dropping mine about 20, 30 feet or so, sometimes deeper. But if, if you get too deep, you're going to get amberjacks a lot. So I try and stay away from that. And I'm guessing you start the, you start a spread or you start a day with several different colors and, and pay attention to see if you need to double down or even triple down on a color or how do you, how do you orchestrate it? Generally, I, I have a pretty good idea now of what works and I usually just keep the same colors. If one's getting bit left and right, I'll put, I'll try and put two out, but generally when I've done that, it hadn't really done any better. Um, so I usually just keep it, you know, black and purple. Um, I'll have some crystal out there black and red you know all the basic wire stuff usually works pretty good as long as you're on the fish so i guess my question then would be like if i'm on your boat and we get out to a spot that you liked you know the night before and we get out there and you still like it in reality not just in the overnight chart um mm -hmm. so what happens man you put out the spread i and to be more to be more clear with my question like if we are on the ledge, are you more on the high side of the ledge or more on the low side of the ledge? Are you preferring traveling with current or against current? Like, how do you approach an area once you say, this is where I'm going to put out my spread? So I'm pretty much, if if I just got there, I'm obviously starting inshore and going to pass right over it to the offshore side. But if I'm going, if I'm going, I'm going north, going north or south, right on top of where it drops off. And I'll usually make a pass going with the current, and then I'll come back going against it um, and just kind of see if I like it. You know, if I pass over something with a bunch of bait or there's bonitas up top or something like that, or you get a bite, then I'll do – I'll circle that area, you know, going in from inshore to offshore a couple of times and then go back around to, from offshore to inshore um, and just, you know, pound it for about 20, 30 minutes. And if I don't get another bite, I'll move on. If I see something I like, I definitely will. See, even if you don't get a bite, I'll stick it out for a little bit just to see. Because for whatever reason, sometimes you'll make six circles and you won't get any bites on the first five. And then on number six, you'll have a triple header. So, All right. And then, so right. my mic yeah. or my earphones must have been playing with me a little bit. And I, so I didn't quite hear or if I missed it. So as far as the ledge, if we're dealing with a ledge and like say 10 foot of relief or whatever it is, like, are you going parallel primarily with that ledge and staying on a higher low? Are you constantly going, you know, sh shallow to deep, deep to shallow, shallow to deep, deep to shallow? I, I, if you said that, I missed it. No, I'm pretty much staying over top of it or parallel is what I'm going to do. Um, and like I said, stay, stay right on top of it. And if it's a ledge running south to north, I'm usually going to work, you know, up the beach first, and then I'll come back down it if I see something I like. Um, and if, if you mark a bunch of bait or something like that, I'll make five or six circles on it. <clears throat> now, how about what it. happens on the boat once we get a bite? If we get a bite, we're trolling, say, seven knots, and we get a bite, mm -hmm. and that, you know, it's a wahoo, so it's screaming. What happens on the southern run? 
we're keeping the boat in gear and we're keeping everything fishing for a little bit longer. Um, the Wahoo are notorious. They're going to run out a bunch of line and then they're going to come turn, especially the big ones they are going to turn around and come right back at you. And sometimes they'll do it for a good 30 or 40 seconds. And it's important to keep for your angler to keep reeling and for whoever's driving the boat to keep it in gear. Um, at set, you know, at six or seven knots for the first couple seconds, because a lot of times too, you'll get other bites. And then generally I'll slow down to about, you know, three, four knots where we can manage them. And we'll clear, we'll, we're usually clearing the planer immediately if it doesn't get bit. And if we can keep everything else out, we'll keep it out if the fish is behaving. Because a lot of times you'll get a bite while you're drifting like that. Um, so we're, we're always fishing if we can. If you have to clear it, obviously get, you know, get lines out of the way. But most of the time we're, we're leaving them out. And uh, as soon as we get that fish in the boat, putting it back up in gear, turn around and coming right back over it. Um, especially in the winter time, those fish are usually not alone. So you, you basically answered or anticipated one of my questions I was going to ask as part of this discussion about what happens once you have a fish. And that is, you know, as a charter boat captain, you have anglers of different skill level on your boat, you know, depending on the trip. And I was going to ask like, what are the, what are the major no-nos that anglers do on your boat that you avoid them, tell them to do? you know, just as easily we could say, what do you tell the angler to do? And you've already said, man, you got to keep reeling. You got to keep reeling. Is that number one on the list? And if so, is there anything else on the list where this is what you have found novice, novice anglers need to know? Yeah. The biggest thing is keep it tight. And this is with any kind of fish do not stop reeling. And when, if you do pick it up and if you're fighting the fish stand up, when you're pumping and reeling, when you drop that rod, I see a lot of people make this mistake. They drop it too quick and don't reel and they'll throw a belly in that line or they'll put slack in it. And with the Wahoo, I've seen it so many times where as soon as they get a little bit of slack, they're gone. So just, you know, the biggest thing is to keep keep it tight. And I personally like fighting Wahoo out of a rod holder. You know, I know it's not that sporting, but if you're trying to catch a bunch of them, that rod holder doesn't have any give to it. and You can just sit there and crank. So, you, you know, you, you're not giving him any chance. Um, but that's generally how I do it. All right. I, I feel like we're coming to the natural end of the meat option conversation. But I'll ask you, because you've got infinitely more experience with my, meat fishing for Wahoo, Wahoo in general. Anything else that someone who wants to try meat fishing for Wahoo might need to know a, a hint, a tip, or a trick? to help increase the chances of success? I would say the biggest thing is just when you find an area that you like or that you have got a bite, keep working that area. If you hadn't had a bite in an hour, but you, you really think they're there, you know they're there, keep doing it. Um, because there's been many days where I've worked the whole area, you know, all day, hadn't caught anything, but I know it looks right, it feels, you know, there's, there's fish there. And all of a sudden in an hour you have, you know, six or seven fish. So that would be my biggest thing. So what I, th I said like that was going to be my last question, but now I thought of something else just in that answer. Yeah. So is wow. there something that you're seeing on your machine, something you're seeing on your electronics out there? So this is separate from the Roth chart. You're now out there. What are you seeing on your electronics that make you say, I am going to commit to this spot, even though I've been here for hours without a bite? What gives you confidence that any hour it could bust wide open? Well, mainly the bait. 
Um, if there's a, you know, you'll see the big clouds abate and you'll see another thing I like to see is the bonitas, which can also be a pain because you're usually going to catch those, but all of that together, you know, and, and you got the right temperature and your water looks right. Um, that will make me stay in an area. Plus if you're talking to, it's a little easier if you have people out there on the radio that you can talk to that are North or South of you, you know, if, if they're not getting any bites either, there's no point really going, you know, wherever they are if, if what you're fishing looks good so a lot of it is communication with other boats too it's good to have a buddy boat out there that you can talk to okay well that makes sense and so now we're going to switch over to high speed trolling so mm-hmm. you have determined we're out there you have determined man it is slow here i think i need to cover some ground i like that element of yeah. high speed that you can cover ground and you have both Billy Thorpe's credit card for gas and Jackson Davis credit card for gas. So you have an unlimited gas card. Tell me what we're going to do for high speed trolling. Have you got Jackson's credit card? We're trolling in Bermuda because there's a lot more of them there than here. But, uh, um, so generally on my boat, I'm running three high speed setups and I'm using either an 80 size reel or a 130 and you do not have to use that big the only reason i use that is because i like to let a you know i like to let a ton of line out to begin with and they're going to take off a lot more too but the farther back i can let it the better and people get plenty of bites right next to the boat but i like to let mine way back um i'll have a long or a shotgun and then i'll have another one about 100 yards shorter and then the third one i'm going to have like probably 50 yards behind the boat um, and as your, as your setups get close or your lures get closer, the weights are heavier too. So your heaviest weights can be close to the boat. Um, and as far as terminal tackle goes to understand what I just said, I'll usually have, you'll have your main line, which is usually like a hundred pound braid or 80 to hundred pound braid. will be fine. Um, <clears throat> to a big snap, snap swivel, biggest you can get. And that will go to your sinker. And then from your sinker, you have about 60, 70 feet of shock leader, which I usually use 200 to 250 pound mono. And then to that will be another snap swivel to your cable. And I usually use three or 400 pound cable. Either one works fine um, to your lure. So and usually right. on my long, or go ahead. No, man, keep talking, please. Usually on your shotgun or on your long, I'll have like a 12, 12 ounce or you, you can have a little more if you want, but I like that one somewhat normal. It's going to be way back there in clean water. So it really does. I don't like that one to be that deep. I like it, you know, a couple of feet below the surface. My next one, my middle one's probably going to have a 32 ounce. And then the one closest to the boat being anywhere from 48 to some people use really heavy, like 60 stuff. But I, I stick with 48. That seems to work fine. All right. I'm going to ask a, a dumb question why the heavier weight closest to the boat well you got it's you got more whitewash and all the stuff all the wash from your prop is going to try and push that push that lure up and you're needing a lot more weight to get it down plus you're not having them you're like you would your long longer baits um there's a lot more scope out of line and that's going to help it stay down um see it just helps it stay down a little better closer to the boat or it'll come up and you you want it down especially down below that whitewash, if you can help it. All right. And then I followed 50 yards for the close one and I followed, I followed a hundred yards in 
from the long one for the midline. Mm-hmm. My, I believe my people like specifics. So roughly how far out is that long line? You said a whole, a far, far away. What? Yeah. So I use one that everybody won't be able to do that. But if, if you got, if you have a 130 size reel or an 80 would probably be fine too. I like to put it two, 300 yards back there. So a good ways, you know, and keep in mind, he's going to run off a lot of line too. If you do get a bite on that one. All right. Again, people love specifics. So if I'm on your boat and you're, you've told me the specific weights, but how about telling me like kind of your go-to three high-speed lures that you're going to have behind those weights? People would love to know. Yeah. So honestly, I like the Islanders. They sell in uh, like Intercoastal or somewhere like that. The the pre-made ones work just fine. Um, I'm trying to think. I know there's, there's one that's a big pink one but i can't remember the dang name of it um but no mainly mainly just the islanders with the skirts and all the sinkers under them they work great i'm sorry gary i know that's not very detailed i don't know the exact name of them that's all right you have favorite colors when it comes to high speed i do i like um if you can find one that's purple and purple black and gold i really like that um because if you think about it the first thing you see on a black fin when he's coming up is that big old stripe and i think that gets a lot of bites um next would probably be pink um i've gotten a lot of fish on pink pink and yellow surprisingly enough how fast we going i'm usually going to go a lot of people go like to go 17 18 knots i i find that 12 to 14 knots is really good um that's where i get most of my bites and you you can go faster but i, I like 12 14 um, and of course it depends on sea conditions too. If it's going to be rough, you're probably not going to be able to go that fast, but I like 12 to 14. And then, um, when you do get a bite, I like to keep, keep going, you know, for a couple of seconds, almost the same as meat fishing. You want to keep, keep the speed up because there's generally another fish. And if, if you get one on say your, your long line, go to the one that's closest to it and take a couple cranks on it, just kind of jig it. A lot of times I'll draw another bite. And, um, you know, one, once you're, you got two fish on and you hadn't had another bite, they're both running. Then I'd slow it down to about six or seven knots gradually, but you definitely don't want to come out of gear fast, especially when you're high speed, because that, you know, they could turn around when you do that and you'll lose them. So that goes back to keeping it tight, but that's the way you can do it as you're driving the boat. Okay. One scenario you mentioned at the beginning was like, if we're, the scenario of we're meat fishing, we're just not catching anything, and you decide, you know what, I need to cover some water, I need to try to find fish. So I get that, but if it was our intention to start the day high speed, would the would you go through the same decision process? You go through meat fishing, if it's good for meat fishing, it's good for high speed, it's, you're not looking for anything different when it comes to high speed? No, no, not really. That's, that's exactly, you know, the same stuff I would look for. I might would start shallower just because, you know, you can cover more ground and get to the break or the Gulf stream in a short amount of time. Sometimes you'll find them, you know, shallower than you think under 40 feet or so. But no, other than that, I'm going to stay, I'm still going to stay right on the ledge. Um, you know, looking for bait and good water and, and that water temperature, but you're just doing it a lot faster and you're covering a lot more ground. Now, if you're going to be high speed and making a lot of turns, which I generally am not because I'm searching. So I'm, I'm going straight for, long periods of time 
um, it might not be a good idea to let them as far out as I was talking about. But okay. I'm generally going straight with that. Okay. And then you said something else that I thought, huh, that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that. And you were saying if it's if the seas are up, then going high speed is problematic because of the speed of the boat and the wave period and all that. Separate from that, what's the ideal conditions for the Wahoo, man? Do they do you like it calm out there? Do you like it a little rough out there? Or do you like it more than a little rough out there? I like just a little bit of chop on the water. Um, flat calm, I've had good days flat calm, but I feel like when there's just a little chop, they bite a little better um, for whatever reason. I do like a light north wind, a very light north wind. I've called them real good on. That's generally, you know, in the winter it's north or northeast as long as it's light. But uh, I, I do like a little chop for sure. Just not too obviously. And if we jump to summer fishing and some smaller fish, you know, it's the same scenario with like meat fishing and high speed, like basically all the same rules apply other than you said you might scale down the size of your ballyhoo on the meat side. I probably would on the meat side. Yeah. And as far as high speed in the summertime, you, it's actually, it might be a better way to water fish in the summertime just because there's not as much bycatch. Um, and you're not, you know, summertime, there's plenty of barracudas and king mackerel and stuff like that around that you're not generally targeting. So, Usually you can avoid those with the high speed lure. And again, you're having to search a lot farther in the summer to find them. Um, so I, I would recommend high speed in the summertime if that's what, if, if you're wanting to catch them. Um, but that, that's a good point. Okay, man. Well, I think we're coming to the natural end of your podcast. I, I'm going to say, I think I have two more questions in mind, but of course I retain the right to come up with a third or fourth. The first question okay. is going to be, you know, more elusive, I guess. So any insight that you've gleaned about the behaviors of a Wahoo, the attitude of a Wahoo, the characteristics of a Wahoo, anything that you sort of noted through the years that about a Wahoo that you didn't really know when you were starting this process of becoming an accomplished offshore angler? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is, um, like I said earlier about staying in an area where that you like, um, even if you've just got one or two bites, you know, when I just started, I would go over a piece of bottom, even if it looked really good. Um, and I, nothing happened, I'd keep going. Or even if I got a bite or two, I'd make one or two more circles and then say, okay, well, that's probably it. And just keep on going. But now the biggest thing I would realize now is if they're doing that, if you get a bite or two, you know, put some time in that spot because they, you know, usually there's more around and it might take them a little bit to bite, but usually they will. That's, that's the biggest thing that I've found that's helped me the most. Well, I think that's pretty much going to be my answer to question number two. And question number two is just the more standard like interview question, which would be anything else to share with the reader? I mean, the watchers, the listeners that we haven't covered any question that I didn't give you to set up, even when you're thinking about the podcast, like, oh, that's a good point. I want to work that in. I mean, you've been consistent with work in space, work in space. And so clearly that might be the main takeaway from our podcast. Anything else here at the end to throw out before we say goodbye, Captain Ben? Man, that's probably going to be it, that. And uh, don't be afraid to go a little shallower sometimes. If you see that water's pushed in the, you know, 140 feet or so, try it. I mean, there's, there's no rules. They have tails so they can swim wherever they want. Um, 
but I, that would be my other one. But the main one is just work an area if you think it feels right. All right. Captain Ben Morris, Southern Run Fishing Charters, man. I've enjoyed our conversation about Wahoo. Very much appreciate you making some time for us and sharing what you know. Thank you, Gary. It was good to be here. I appreciate the invite. All right, man. We'll talk again soon. All right. Gary, Gary, man. Good episode. You guys should know how to go out there and get some wahoo, get some meat in the boat, go go fat. Like what? Not speed trolling. Wait, is that what it's called? High speed trolling. High speed like, trolling or or slower trolling meat. You know, actual yeah. bait fish. But high speed is all yeah, all artificial. Yeah, man. A couple of, a couple of things that I um, you know, like once again, don't be a slacker. I put that down. Don't be a slacker. Don't let slack get in your line when you're trying to really fish in. But then he shared like a little thing, like let the rod holder do the work. That way you're not, you know, trying to work your body as well. Just put it in there and, and crank down and reel. So I thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, I always talk about not losing fish. If, if, some, if a captain, in my case, gets me on a fish, I want the best odds of getting in the boat. So Yes. No pride Good in my you. game, man. I'll just put it in the rod holder. So... I have That's tried to make a little. When I'm on a captain's boat, I listen to what they say. I follow instructions. I'm, I do not come with an ego. Like I know what I'm doing. I love to be told what to do on a fishing trip. Love it. Yeah, man. Especially they work all. You know, work all that time getting you on those fish. Especially out there, man. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Seems like to me anyway. I mean, I know their pay grades way higher. So, <laughs> but anyway, and then uh, and then yeah, Jackson's credit card. Let's get that thing on file. Let's put the put the number on the screen. Where's the captain at? <laughs> I think Jackson is a sponsor. We're setting him up to be a sponsor of this. Yeah, yeah. Because my credit, you you said my credit card. I was like, dude, that's gonna get you like four miles off the beach, but not even home. Just four miles out. You can't even get back on that. And then we call Cito. <laughs> he called Cito, which should be right here, but they're not. Where are they at? Where are you at, Cito? <laughs> so anyway, but we are thankful for our sponsors. We have Marine Warehouse. I've been with us for a long time, having a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to see where Emmett ends up next. That's going to be fun. And then uh, SRD20.com. Be sure to go to SRD20.com to get all your boat cleaning chemicals and needs. Uh, they've been really awesome and sending us some more product. I got the shipping notification, so we'll be sharing some more stuff uh, here in the next couple episodes or so. Yeah, man, I think we've been fortunate. We've had sponsors that make sense, sponsors that fit well with our mission, you know, and and that certainly includes Marine Warehouse Forever and our newest edition, SRD20, man. I'm I'm happy to have them on board. Hope we Hope we serve them well. Yeah, and if there's anybody listening and you got a company that, uh, you know, this would be a good audience for you, offshore fishing, inshore, nearshore, uh, on the coast of North Carolina, let us know, and we'll we'll see if we can get you in here and make some good jokes about you, make fun of you, make fun of your company, those types of things. You know, have a lot of have a lot of fun, man. That's why they're that's why that's why Marine Hit Warehouse sponsors us. They don't need to sponsor us. They just like to see what we can come up with, poking fun <laughs> at people that own the place. <laughs> All right, Gary, we'll we'll see you in the next one, man. Appreciate it.